Dear Ave, dear faithful, as our Lord wept over the doom of Israel's ancient sanctuary, he thought also upon the multitudes of sinners everywhere for whom his coming and his sacrifice would be, instead of a source of blessing, an occasion of even greater condemnation. He thought, as he looked down through his tears, on the pride and the beauty of the shrine that would soon collapse in ruin. And he thought also on how many other centers of God's dwelling, how many souls that God's grace would build up into living temples of the Holy Ghost and would nevertheless be overthrown and made desolate. As he thought of the Roman armies encircling Jerusalem and building up the stifling barricades round about her walls, he could see also the cohorts of Satan's army, the forces of pride, sensuality, and unbelief, beleaguering the shrines of God and the souls of men and threatening them with ruin. The fall of Jerusalem is a symbol of the lot of every soul that misses her hour, that knows not the time of God's visitation, the miracles, the teaching, the gracious words, the never-ceasing goodness of Christ. All were, were all forgotten or disregarded by a city and a people which worldliness had struck blind and made foolish. This brief burst of acclamation around the Messianic King on Palm Sunday was quite forgotten amid the sneering at the unmasking of the alleged charlatan on Good Friday. And as Jesus wept over Jerusalem's blindness, so he also wept over the instability of so many Christians whose loyalty to him would be as brief and whose hostility towards him would be as bitter as that of the children of Jerusalem. But the Roman army, however, had first to furnish all the disciples of our Lord with a sign, for he had promised them that this sign would consist in the army compassing, in, in her compassing of Jerusalem, and then withdrawing for a time. And this would give the Christians an opportunity of quitting the accursed city. The Roman proconsul had his troops stationed so near to Jerusalem that it seemed as though he had to give but the word of command, and the war would be over, the victory would be his. Instead of that, he gave this strange order to retreat and throw away the victory which he could have had there and then. He seemed to his men to have lost his senses, but, but no, he was following unwittingly the commands of heaven. For Jesus had promised an escape to his loved ones, and he fulfilled this promise by this unwitting instrument. Jerusalem would be destroyed, indeed raised to the ground, and most of her inhabitants killed because she had not known the hour of God's visitation, the decisive hour of grace. To each of us, to every soul, is given such a time of grace. As to the apostle Levi, who would become St. Matthew, the tax collector Zacchaeus, the woman of Samaria, the sinner in the, in the town, and the good thief. On the use of the season of grace may depend our entire eternity. 
terrible lesson it is. And the church learned it and never forgot it. The lesson that no blessing, no past holiness, is of itself a guarantee that the, pla- that the place thus favored will not afterwards draw down on itself desecration and destruction. The church saw and trembled as she saw these events of the first age of her history. She beheld violence at every sort of crime, profaning the paths that had been trodden by the feet of our Lord and the hills where he had passed whole nights in prayer and praise to his eternal Father. We cannot tell which of the many graces we receive is the most decisive. It may be a sermon or a confession or a mission, or it may be some misfortune which befalls us, some family grief or some terrible problem of business. Let us pray that we would never be blind to the mercies of God and that we may be always ready to cooperate loyally with his grace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen.